Good morning and welcome to this assembly. Our purpose is to do what God has directed with the attitude and the manner that he has directed. So we are here to worship him, to remember Jesus Christ, and in this portion of our assembly to open our Bibles and give attention to the instructions revealed by God. Every future assembly this year will have this same purpose. We commend you for being here, encouraging us in what we do, and joining us in the careful study of God's Word. Open, please, to the book of Acts. Open, please, to the book of Acts. You can see on the projector slide, this year, once a month, I'm preaching on what Christians do, as reported in the book of Acts. Last month, I spoke from Acts 2, verse 42. With special attention to that phrase, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the primary objective of that sermon in January was to put before us the commitment that we have today as Christians, God's people, to the teachings of the apostles of Christ that we have in the New Testament. It's what Christians do. We follow the teaching of the New Testament of Jesus Christ in what we believe and teach and practice individually and as a group. I have something else in mind today, also from the book of Acts, also about what Christians do. We're going to read from verse 37 down through verse 44. From verse 37 in Acts chapter 2 down through verse 44. The context, the gospel of Christ has been preached. People are asking what they need to do to be saved. And Peter gives the answer, and 3,000 respond. And they're now members of the Lord's church. <clears throat> They've been baptized into Christ. These Christians were together, helping each other, eventually forming local groups where they went. Acts 2, 37 through 44. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all 
who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed were together. I want you to imagine what a different story this might have been if these people had just gone into isolation, no contact with each other, no interest in forming any sense of community. I want you to imagine the attitude of a man who says, well, I've been baptized, I've heard the gospel, I know about Christ, and since I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, that must be it. I'm saved, no reason to stick around here. These other people can go away, and I'm going back home and just resume my previous contacts and companionships. What a different historical narrative this would have been. But it wasn't that way. What did we just read? I want you to concentrate on this phrase. And if you make marks in your Bible, you might underline or highlight this phrase in verse 44. All who believed were together. Just focus there. All who believed were together. When we talk about unity among Christians, there may be some superficial impression that unity is simply about people who believe the same things. We are baptized into Christ. We believe He is the Savior, our access to God. We believe God will take His faithful people to heaven. We are members of one body. But is that the extent of our unity, just that we believe the same things? about relationship with God. While those common beliefs are foundational and do form a bond between us, the unity of Christians is more than just shared belief. It certainly has that dimension of shared belief. But it's more than that. It is shared encouragement. It is shared edification. It is shared worship. It is responding to needs. It is praying for one another. It's help offered and help received. It says here, all who believed were together. And what we're going to say about that is, it is what Christians do. I want to take you on a little journey through the book of Acts. Just take a few minutes just to make one point. We've already started the journey really here in Acts chapter 2, and we've locked into that phrase, all who believed were together. I want you to listen again, 42 down to 47 in Acts 2. We're going to start at 42 and go down to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
and day by day attending the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There is that key word again. Together. But let's follow up. Turn a couple of pages over to Acts chapter 4. We're going to move now to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 31. Here's the context. Peter and John were preaching the gospel. Every opportunity, they were preaching the gospel, and the authorities in Jerusalem came to them and said, Stop that. Don't preach the gospel. They were threatened by the authorities in Jerusalem, commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they responded quickly, we must speak the gospel. Now what did they do next after these threats were issued? They were under this pressure to not deliver the message they were committed to deliver. Acts 4, I'm starting at verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel." to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of the Lord, the word of God, with boldness. They were together. There's that word. Next, in verse 32 of the same chapter, Acts 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They were together. I'm going to move quickly through these others and mark the phrases if you want. Acts 5, 12 says they were all together. Acts 5, 42, together. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 11.26, Christians together in Antioch, 
chapter 12, verse 12, in the house of Mary they were together praying. Acts 14, 27, the church gathered together. Acts 15, verses 6 and 13, they were together. And Acts 20 and verse 7, Christians in Troas on the first day of the week, eating the Lord's Supper together. So, they certainly enjoyed common beliefs. But they were together, sharing what they had, encouraging one another, praying together, worship the Lord's Supper. All who believed were together. I tell you, it's what Christians do. Can we take this that testimony now to three clear truths? Number one, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? God wants us to be together. Remember one of the first things God said that you read on one of the first pages in the Bible, if not the first page? God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. Adam was given a wife. But that was the beginning of families. And it strongly implies God's view of our need for companionship. It says that God wants us to be with people and help each other. Companionship by God is regarded as a human value. God tells us it's good for us to share, to know each other, to help each other. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I'm going to start at verse 7 in a moment. God tells us it is good for us to help each other. Solomon in Ecclesiastes makes observations about what generally happens in the world. And it takes him right to this value. Ecclesiastes 4, starting at verse 7. Again I saw vanity under the sun. One person has no other. Either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches. So he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, think of spiritual family and the value of being with God's people and sharing in suffering, but also sharing in praise to God and encouragement, working together and studying together, worshiping together. Do not forsake the assembling together of the saints, Hebrews 10.25. Is there any doubt? I see none. 
that God wants his people to be together, to praise him, and for our good. And that leads me to this, we need each other. I'm going to speak here personally. Any good I've done with my life and my work and my writing, there were many, many helpers on the team. Many helpers. I certainly cannot do what I do without God, but also all of those God has put into my life. I couldn't do what I do independent of Christians who help me and pray for me and encourage me and correct me when needed. We need each other. Turn with me this time to the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, find chapter 3, please. Hebrews, I'm going to go to chapter 3 and read verses starting at verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews 3, 12. This was written to Christians who were struggling under the pressure of temptation and persecution. They were tempted to leave Christ and go back into their former life. And one point made is they needed each other. Hebrews 3, starting at verse 12. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I tell you, in the storm... You want to be by yourself? In the struggle, you want there to be nobody? In the storm and struggle of earthly existence, we need each other. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working in regard to sin. We need to help each other stay out of it and go to heaven. This is a spiritual family dynamic that's all through the New Testament. I tell you, it's what Christians do. So don't go it alone. Isolated Christianity... Shunning fellowship with your brothers and sisters, living in a monastic life out in a cave or a monastery is never anywhere contemplated in the New Testament. I know that people do it, but I'm not concerned about using them as a pattern. What does the New Testament say? Isolated Christianity, shunning fellowship out in a cave and monastery is not contemplated anywhere in the New Testament. Now I want you to think of a body. The human physical body with arms and legs separated from the body. With no connection between the parts. No central nervous system. No cooperation. You have that picture? Now I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 12 27. 
Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Don't isolate yourself. You won't survive. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Where are you going to find those friends? I mean, the close friends that are going to help you stay out of sin and go to heaven. People that need your help. Where are you going to find those friends? Among God's people. One final example I'll give you of this. It was written by a friend of mine, Zeke Flores, the other day on social media. It strikes the chord that we're trying to strike. He said, the church's greatest adornment is not a well-furnished building with the latest technological gadgetry. It is the unbounded sound of united people with voices and spirits in tune with their God, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. May I recommend something? May I recommend you look around when we assemble, perhaps today when we dismiss. And if you see someone here all the time, but you've never met them, you don't know their name, take some initiative and meet them. Maybe you can help them just by that initial contact. Maybe they can help you. This sense of family and community is not a footnote in the New Testament. All those passages in the New Testament, page after page, one another, Christians together, love one another, encourage one another, help one another, assemble with one another. What are we doing about that part of the New Testament pattern? They were all together. It's what Christians do. Can we do it better? I need to do it better. I hope you'll do it better. One of our goals this year is to love God by walking with Jesus daily. And we're going to place stress on that throughout the year. Do you need others with you while you're walking with Jesus? I do. Can you help others in their walk with Jesus? It's what Christians do. Let's be standing as we sing. Through the heaven.